name and everybody's confused now. My name is also Joel. Um, and uh, yes, that's, uh, what, a, what a thank you for that quote. That was my gift to you so that everybody could do the deep mmm, that convict just, just for you. Um, no, we do have a, a special announcement. This month, September, is uh, Serve the Table Month. And uh, our, our church metaphor, Four Corners, the name of our church, uh, is a metaphor. Uh, and it's a metaphor for a table. It's not necessarily directional, uh, Four Corners, North, South, East, West. It's Four Corners of a Table. And our table is growing. <laughs> there we go. All right. Anyway, um, and so, uh, this, th- so this month, one of the things that we're focusing on is uh, we just want to help people discover uh, your gifts and help um, uh, both where, w- what you love and then also where you're needed. And so it's not, it's not just another volunteer drive for our church especially. It's, it is welcoming um, people to the table of Christ here at Four Corners. This church is a new church and a, a new expression. And so, uh, how many of you guys had somebody in your house growing up was maybe your mom, or your dad, or your grandparents? Somebody was a just the best cook. Anybody just have that? You just look back and you're like, oh, they were the the best cook. How many of you do not raise your hand? Uh, they were not the best cook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, you're in the back. That's why you're raising your hand. Um, yeah. Oh man, my my mom, best cook. Oh my goodness, what a what a what a great cook. I remember thinking when I was um, younger, I used to think, man, I'm I'm so hungry, and then just the the food would just magically appear on the table, and I would just be like, look at all this, look where this came from. I'd be like, I, I knew somewhere in my head that mom had done this magical work, and it was it was glorious. And then somewhere along the line, I too became a father. And I had this realization after I heard my kids for about the thousandth time, I'm hungry. And it hit me. And I thought, oh yeah, it's not magic that the food just shows up on the table. It is, it is a gargantuan amount of love and hard work. It is love and hard work to, to provide this bounty that I grew up with, and then uh, also now that I, I, I still enjoy to this day. Um, our church has set a table where the presence of Jesus can be um, encountered and experienced, uh, where people can experience community. It's beautiful. It's, um, it's awesome. It's amazing. But it takes a lot of love and it takes a lot of effort. And so uh, the focus this month for our Serve the Table focus is just this question. Would you, would you be willing to join the, the, the family here and serve the table with us? So if that's something um, that is in your heart uh, or you want to know more about, we have actually a, a, a table in the um, foyer that you can check out. It's a big banner. It says Serve at the top. In case you were wondering what this table is about, just giant word. At the top, serve, you can't miss it. So, all right, hey, we're gonna dig into our text this morning, found in Exodus chapter 12. We are in season two of God at Work, our series, God at Work. We just finished season one. You guys didn't know we were going into second season, did you? That was last week, that was August. We're in September, season two. We're about, to, we're about to tear it up. I don't know if we say that anymore, but I just did. All right. <laughs> 
Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month. Everybody say first. The first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they are to eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Down in verse 11, this is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt, verse 14, this is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Now as Exodus, our second scripture is John chapter 5, the gospel of John, according to John. Verse 17, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. I too am working. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, our, our, our series that we're in, God at Work, is about um, God being at work. God has always been at work. He's, he's, always, he's always been working. And, and, and so we've been asking the question, what, you know, what kind of work does God do? What does is, what is God's job site look like? When God clocks in, Like, what is God doing? What, what, what is he doing? And what we've been looking at is figuring out that the answer is that the, 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 the work of God is people. And the conditions are people conditions. The conditions that God works in. Think about your conditions that you work in, your work environment. What are, what are those conditions? Some of you guys work in nice air-conditioned uh, conditions. Some of you all not so much air-conditioned conditions. Uh, what, are the, what, what is the, some of y'all work in a cubicle? Maybe some of you guys have a corner office. Some of y'all work at home. Anybody working at home? What are the conditions that God works in? God's conditions are people conditions, which means nothing is pristine. Nothing is perfect. Nothing is, because life isn't. It's muddy, it's dirty, it's messy, it's life. And so we talked about where God works. God works in the wilderness. He works in the in the wrestling, he works in the wounds. In season two of God at Work, we're talking about, like, what is, the, what is it that he does? What's the work that God does? What are the kinds of work? And so today we're talking about God at Work in the saving. Everybody say saving. saving. God at Work in the saving. I, I don't see them as much anymore. I, I feel like you used to see them all the time. You see signs um, regularly that just said, like, Jesus saves. You ever seen a sign that just says, Jesus saves? Seen... Um, uh, uh, you know, poster board signs, Jesus saves. I've seen neon blinking signs, Jesus saves. See those all the time. I was a, uh, when I was younger, when I was a kid, I, I grew up going to church and I used to hear every week when I would go to church, I would hear the phrase, you need to get saved. Anybody ever heard that phrase? You need to get saved. I would hear it specifically directed toward me. Uh, you need to get saved. I remember every week, the kind of church I went to, 
I, I, would, I would think, yes, Lord, yes, I need to get saved. And so every single week I would go down front and I would pray a prayer and I would say, God, I need to get saved. Will you come into my heart? I'm, it, it, it used to happen all the time. I've, uh, maybe, I don't know if you've heard that phrase before, you know, you, you need to get saved. I got a friend now who she says, her favorite phrase that she says all the time is, uh, man, you ain't right. All the time, here, man, you ain't right. That's basically the same thing. You need to get saved. That's the <laughs> same deal. You guys ever heard anything like that? What, what, does that? what does that mean? What does that mean, be saved, get saved? Jesus saves. What do, what, do I, what do I need to be saved from? Once I get saved, what happens? Who needs to be saved? A couple truths before we dig in this morning. First one is this. Um, first one is this. Truth one is it, everybody actually needs saving. Everybody needs saving. You, you might agree, you may not agree with who needs to do the saving or how, but I guarantee you agree with this. Things are broke. Things are broken. Life is broke in so many areas. People need help, a lot of help. You may recognize that you need help, but you definitely know somebody in your life that you're going, yeah, they need help too. <laughs> but we need we need help. It's actually more than just help. We need saving. And so I wanna, what I want to say is this, the only help sufficient for our saving comes from Jesus. The second truth is this. Everybody needs saving. The second one is this. Saving is some of God's best work. Some of the best work God does is saving. God does a lot of things. Man, some of his best work is saving. So we read this text this morning. We find ourselves, Moses has um, uh, just, uh, he's heard the call from God to lead the people, the children of Abraham, now the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Uh, Joseph died. Remember, Joseph uh, ended up being second in command of Egypt. And uh, he asked his father Jacob or Israel to come to Egypt because there was going to be a famine. And by doing that, he saved his brothers. He saved his family. He saved all the families of Israel, which was just, a, just not, not a ton of people at that time. Fast forward 400 years and everybody, especially Pharaoh, has forgotten the incredible work that Joseph has done. And so here uh, the children of Israel are now in Egypt. And they're serving a master that is not their own. And Pharaoh has made it difficult. He's made it more than difficult. He's made it miserable. And so eventually Moses comes along and he says his famous words to Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh, let my people, yes, let them go. And um, drops about nine plagues on top of Egypt. And then we get to this tenth one. It's where we get Passover. It's where the, the judgment for injustice comes down on Egypt, visits every home in the nation, but passes over, it's where we get the name Passover, passes over the homes of those with the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And so this morning I want to I talk about three um, areas of God at work in the saving. God at work in the saving, the first one is this, if you're taking notes First one is this, it's just the beginning. The beginning. God was at work saving all the way 
from the beginning. Exodus chapter 12, we just read this, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month. The first month of your year. So they're, so they're making a, a, a calendar. We mark our calendar um, for important things to celebrate, remember. How many of you guys are calendar people? Like, you, like everything goes on the calendar. You live by the calendar. You die by the calendar. Yes. Yes, I, uh, I am becoming. I have become and am becoming a calendar person. My life is placed on the calendar uh, before the Lord by my wife. And, um, and I just, man, I'm a... But we, we put all kinds of things on the calendar. Um, uh, we got birthdays on there. Uh, sometimes I like to get people's phones, and I'll put my birthday on there if they don't have it already on their calendar. I'll just kind of place that on there while they're not looking. Because you need to know. You need to know when my birthday is. We'll put, uh, we, we have, we have uh, Christmas. Uh, we have Thanksgiving. Those are some big ones. We have some a little bit smaller ones. Of course, we have smaller ones. We got like St. Patrick's Day. That's the um, pinch people day. Um, you got the uh, Father's Day, Mother's Day, uh, MLK Day. Um, today, actually, there's, actually there's, there's, there's celebrations every day of the year. Did you know that? Today is National Grandparents Day. Did you know that? National Grandparents Day. Yeah, it's a thing. It's on the internet. Um, you know what else it is? Hug your hound day. Hug your hound. Anybody have a hound? Does anybody have just a dog in general? And you're like, you know what? I'm going to hug my dog when I get home. I have two dogs. They're kind of houndish. Yeah. I'm going to hug my hound today. Today's hug your hound day. That's a thing, apparently. Here's it's something, that, something all of them have in common. We, we, we celebrate things that have already occurred. We, we, we celebrate Christmas because it's recognition of something 2,000 years ago. We celebrate uh, 4th of July, happened, something that happened you know, 250 years ago. Uh, we, we celebrate Hug Your Hound Day because you have a hound. You already got him, right? And then, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're going to go get one today. You're like, I've been thinking about it. This is confirmation from the Lord at church. I'm now going to get a hound. But God told the children of Israel, this is your first month of the first year. And, and so in other words, get this, he told them to celebrate something before it ever happened. They're still in Egypt. They're still in slavery. They haven't been saved yet. They're not saved yet. Now, they're in the process. They're probably hopeful, but they've been in the same place for 400 years. Actually, 480 years now. 480 years, they're fam- now they've multiplied. There are millions of them now. Millions. And yet they've been in the same place. It's, 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 it's older than the United States of America. They've been in the, they haven't gone anywhere in 480 years. And all of a sudden now, they're being told, I want, this is actually day one for you, and I want you to celebrate it, but they're not saved yet. God showed them how to remember being saved before they were ever saved. I, 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 want you, I want you to hear this. Think about this. We only know what's about to happen because it already happened. So, so, so God's going to pass over. He allows the destroyer to come in, and then Pharaoh eventually lets everybody go, and they, and they leave for the wilderness, and then eventually, 40 years after that, they get into the promised land, and then later on, we get, we get King Saul, and then we get King David, and then we get King Solomon, and then we get all the prophets, and then eventually we get Jesus, and we know this now, 
But they didn't know any of this at the time. And God says, this is day one, mark it right here. Listen, God has a plan from the beginning for your salvation. God has a plan from that. He's the initiator. He's the one that does the work. Jesus later on does the same thing. Check this out. Luke chapter 22, gospel according to Luke, says this. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So we just, we just talked about the Passover lamb. Now, John the Baptist had already declared earlier, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All right, so there's layers, layers happening right here. Then came the day of unleavened bread, which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed, verse 8. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. I want you to go into town and go get ready because we're about to partake of the Passover. They're used to the Passover. They've been doing it all their lives. They know what's about to happen. It's, 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 uh, uh, it, it is that day, and they've got to go make specific preparations. If you read the passage of Scripture, they don't know how it's going to happen, but that's pretty normal for, for them and Jesus. Like, they'll go, okay, like, Jesus, what now? And then he'll go, well, go into town, and you're going to meet this guy, and he's going to have a donkey. And then you're going to say, hey, I need that donkey. And he's going to go, okay, and give it to you. And they're like, what? And then he says, you'll untie the donkey and then bring it back to me because I'm going to ride into town on it. They're, they're used to this. So this one, he says, this is what I want you to do. Go into town, tell them, hey, I've got some friends. I want to use your house, and I, I want to uh, celebrate Passover there. Look, I don't know if that sounds normal to you. It's not normal today. It wasn't normal 2,000 years ago for somebody to come over and be like, hey, uh, I'm going to need upstairs. Uh, <clears throat> my name's Joel. And... Uh, Go ahead, get on it, because like I've got, like Messiah, like he's on his way, he's coming in, we got to get on this thing. So, no, so, so Jesus is, he's preparing the disciples, he says, go ahead and go in. He said, tell them that this is what's going to happen. How does Jesus know? I don't know, he's Jesus. So they, they go in and they, they meet the guy, first guy they see, I don't know how they decide who they're going to pick, whose house they're going to go to, they probably just, whoever makes eye contact first. They just, that's him. And so then they just go for it. And it just happens to be it. And so they go in and, and they, uh, uh, verse uh, 19, um, they come back, they tell, they prepare everything, Peter and John. And for some reason in my mind, I don't picture Peter as the one that does well with preparation. I feel like he does well with, like telling people, hey, go get everything ready. So, but somehow Jesus trusted Peter with this one. So Peter and John get up there, they get everything ready, they come back, they get Jesus, the disciples, everybody, they go in. Verse 19, Jesus, he takes bread, gives thanks uh, he gave thanks and broke it and then gave it to them saying, now, now get ready, we're celebrating Passover. He takes the bread and he takes the cup and he says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Why, why, would, he do, why would he do this? He's showing them how to remember his death before he has died, and especially before he is risen from the grave. God has a plan from the beginning for your salvation. And don't forget, everybody needs saving. You may or, not, you may, or may not agree uh, how or by whom, 
Everybody needs saving. And God has had a plan from the beginning every single time to reveal his plan before it's even happened. God's the initiator. He's the one that does the work. We, we, oftentimes we think that we have to work for it, that we have to work for saving. We don't, we don't work for salvation. All the preparation for that Passover meal, the way they had prepared it, there were, um, uh, if you go back and read the Exodus chapter 12, it walks through so many specific details of how, exactly how they're supposed to walk through and, 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 and prepare um, the meal. And, and, and it was the way they prepared it. And it was to show how much each part of that plan matters. Here's the truth. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's, it's free. And, and so imagine this. Imagine you come to church. Uh, we have Christmas service. I think, I think I may be right, uh, wrong. I don't know. I think Christmas is on, uh, I think Sunday. That Sunday is New Year, is uh, uh, Christmas Eve. I think Sunday's Christmas Eve this year. Um, some of y'all that have calendars and you've memorized them already are like this. Yes, Pastor Joel, you are correct. Um, Imagine you come Christmas Eve, we're having Christmas service, and um, I go, hey, God, I ha actually have a gift for you. And you're like, really? For me? I just, I just started coming. <laughs> and I, yes, I have a gift for you. And so, and it's this incredible gift, all right, which would be a shocker. And so, uh, I'm not the best gift giver. Uh, I try to be. I want to be. In my heart, I am. But so I give this incredible gift. You open up the box, and you're like, this gift is incredible, and I can't believe that it's for me. And I would say, well, thank you. That, you know, you've been on my heart. And then I would say, now, how do you want to pay for that, cash or card? <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I misunderstood. I thought this was a gift. I thought you were giving it to me. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a gift. You can have it. I bless you with this. Here you go. This is it. Beautiful gift. Um, now, how are you going to pay for it again? But like you would be, that would be weird. You would not return, and it would also be weird. Like you, it would just, you say that's, because that's not, that's, that's not a gift. If you pay for it, it's not a gift. Here's the truth. You can't earn your salvation. You don't work for salvation. You don't work for saving. God had a plan to save you before there was a you. God's plan for saving always occurs first. He's always the initiator. He's always the one doing the searching. He's always the one that goes out. He, that is his mission. Jesus says it. Luke 19, he says, the, the Son of Man came. This is why he comes. To seek and to save the lost. To go and find, God is the one that's doing the seeking. God is, doing the, uh, is the one that's doing the saving. He's always had a plan, and it's his plan first. You don't work for your salvation. You do work out your salvation. So, so Jesus comes in, and he says, this is what we're going to do. I'm going I'm to save you out of your brokenness. I'm going to save you out of your sin. I'm going to pull you out of where you are. I'm going to save you in this. And you'll go, yes, yes, thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. But then we still got to work some of that stuff out. We still have a, you, when you come to faith, when you decide, Jesus, I, I recognize my condition. I, I see that I can't, I can't get my way out of this. Now, Americans have, 
I don't know how the rest of the world is. I have to imagine that, that in America, it's really easy, easier for us than others to think that we can, we can just handle it on our own, that we can figure it out on our own, that we can, we, look, I'm, I'm good. I can do this. I'm, I'm, I'm good where I'm at. It's, it's, it's my suspicion. The truth is, is this. You can't. That's why Jesus came first. That's why Jesus planned it first. That's why he started it first. The second one is this. So the first one is the beginning, God at work in the saving. The second is this, the middle. The middle, God is saving right now. God is actually saving right now. Exodus 12, verse 11, this is how you are to eat it, all right? God is giving the instructions to Moses, who's giving the instructions to the people. He says, this is how you are to eat the Passover meal. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, the staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. You are on the move. You are ready. How many of you guys are like uber slow eaters? You're like, uh-uh, I just, I'm going to sit down. I'll take my time. I just relax. I want to be, I want to, I just want to know. I want to be here. I'm, it's me and the food, all right? Anybody in here? No? How many of you guys are scarfers? You just, it's gone. It's gone. This is what God says. He goes, I want you to have everything ready. I want you to be wearing your shoes. In fact, I want you to have your staff in one hand, your walking stick. You're about to head out. You are on the way out. I want you to get ready. I want you to, and you only got one hand to eat, and I want you to eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. How many of you guys have ever uh, taken an Uber? Anybody ever taken an Uber before? Um, uh, I, love, I, I love it. I went on a trip earlier this year um, uh, with my family. We didn't, we didn't rent a car when we got there. We just, um, we just Ubered everywhere. Now, it was in, in town. It was in D.C., and it was easy to, uh, uh, to get around. And, uh, and, but I, I, didn't know, I didn't really know the, the streets where we were. Uber's so easy, and, um, but I still didn't know the streets. And so when we would, we would, we would go to, like, a museum, um, uh, and we'd go into a museum, and, and, and then we'd come out, and they'd be like, okay, now it's time to go take a nap, right? And Lindsay would be like, no, now we're going to another museum. And I'd be like, oh, yay. And so... Um, <laughs> And so uh, I'm like, how are we going to get there? And they're like, we're going to Uber. Uh, and then so we would, but you still had to be ready. Like, because, uh, you know, you can see on your phone kind of where the car is, but I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the streets. And so we, we would, I would see that they're getting close. And so I would go, okay, all right, everybody, get, you know, get all my three little kids. And we'd stand on the corner and we'd be on the lookout for the car because you can't miss it. You know, you got to get in the, you, you got to get in the car. And so we'd, we'd sometimes, um, I'd hold out my phone. They got a little special color on there. You guys know about that? The special color if you if you need it. I don't know. And um, so I'd, I'd do that, and then I'm just and then I'm the dad. Oh, I'm the dad. And he's like, right down here, down here. Come pick me up. Me and my me and my little family over here. And so I'd I'd, I'd call, and then the and then the, the guy would come over, and and before you'd know it, he'd pull in, and the door would open, and we'd dive in, and then and and then we'd be off. We'd take off. So God says. I want you to hold your staff. I want you to wear your belt. I want you to prepare this meal. I want you to eat this lamb. I want you to do all this in preparation. And the whole thing was a reminder of salvation that came. And they didn't do it just one time. They were to do it every year. The same thing every year. Now look, they had already, the, 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 
they had already walked through it. They had already gone out of, after this, Moses comes into Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, fine. And then he says, take them. And then he goes and then they go and they get out into the Red Sea and then, and then the Red Sea parts. That's next week. All right. But this week, they're in Egypt and Moses, it, it's, 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 it's already happened every year after that. But they do the same thing. And the whole thing was a reminder. Salvation is coming and it's on the way. Ephesians 2 in the New Testament, Paul says it this way. It is by grace that you have been saved. Been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So you, you have been saved and nobody can brag about it. You don't want to know why? Because it wasn't anything you did. It's not anything you did. So anything you, some of y'all know it. You're like, oh my Lord, I know it was nothing I did. <laughs> I'm here, man, and I'm here. I made it, like barely, but I'm here. I think God's pleased with that. Some of us come in here and we're like, I made it, and I've done a lot to get here. Like I'm here, like I've, I've, I've done a lot, and God ought to probably be a little impressed with me by now. I've been doing this for a while, and here I am. <laughs> He's not impressed. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Oh, I want to say this. Uh, nobody can boast. So there's no boasting. There's no boasting in it. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul's still talking here, message in Corinth. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are, what's that say? Being saved. Those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Those who are, those who are being saved, the, the word uh, saved there is uh, sozo, sozo, to to. To save, um, I had a, a friend that I met when I was in um, school, getting my degree to become a pastor. And uh, it, I, I, had, um, I had gone to, uh, it was my first year that I was there in, in seminary, and um, I was at a Christmas party, and... I had been friends with um, uh, this guy named Alan, and Alan was, he had been a missionary to Uganda. He was from the same area where we were at the time in Birmingham, uh, but he had been a missionary to Uganda and uh, had started a children's orphanage there, he and uh, several others of his friends, actually, and, um, and so he was incredible uh, incredible ministry. They had a lot of kids that they were supporting. He had actually come back. He had done ministry there uh, and helped start everything, got it going. And then he realized he was like, I, I, I like need some help here. Like I got really inspired, went over here, me and our friends, we, we, we got this thing going. He said, and then he goes, I don't really know enough, I don't think. And so he came back to get training so that then he could go back again to Uganda while, while some of the team was there. And so uh, I remember I was at a Christmas party and we were talking and um, uh, we had developed a, a, a friendship that semester. And um, I said, man, I said, you, you were in, this is 2011. And I said, you were in Uganda uh, last year? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I remember at the time there had been um, a couple bombings during the World Cup uh, in Uganda and um, uh, last year. And I said, I mean, were you like, like, do you remember that? And he looks at me and he kind of, he, he, he looks a little sheepish, and he goes, kind of looks around, he goes, yeah. 
And I was like, oh, no, what's he about to say? <laughs> I said, he goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, I, I, I do remember that. I go, yeah. I said, okay. And he goes, I, I was in it. And I said, huh? And he goes, I, 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 I was in it. I said, you were in the bomb? You were, you, were in, you were there? And he goes, yeah. He said, we were there. He said, if I, I haven't told you this story? And I go, no, I'd remember this one. He said, no. He said, um, we had gone over. Uh, we were uh, working at the orphanage. He said, me and six of, the, of our friends who had gone over there. Uh, wanted to watch the wanted to watch the game. Some of the other uh, people were at the orphanage. They left and they went to a restaurant. And he said we wanted to get there in time. There was a local kind of restaurant outdoor space where they would play the games on a big projector screen, projection screen. And he said we wanted to get there, get a good seat, and because there were so many people that would come around, and um, and they would watch the. Uh, and they would watch the game. And he said, I w- we wanted to get there. You had to get there early to get a good seat. And he said, but there was one person that was in the group that I knew, he goes, I knew we were going to be late because they are always late. It was that one person. Does anybody, anybody know somebody like that one person? Anybody in your heart, you're like, that is me. That is me. All right. This story's for you. So he said, uh, he said we, we, we all got mad. He said, me and my six friends, he said, we were mad at this one girl because she kept saying, I'm on my way, I'm on my way, and she would never walk out the door. She would never come out. And so finally, he says, we got to get there. We're not going to get there in time. We're going to get bad seats. Sure enough, he says, we, we get over to the restaurant, and there's, it's jam-packed. He said, we walk around. We go inside um, uh, this sort of inside-type area. He goes, there's one table in the whole place. So one table in the whole place, it's tucked away in this corner uh, uh, behind these two walls. And he said, we sat down and he said, um, we were already late. We had started to watch the game. We had a tiny little TV in the corner while the projection screen was behind us, behind the wall. And we could hear everybody cheering and screaming because they were so happy because they got to watch the game. He said, we're, and we were stuck. He said, we were trying not to be bitter at our friend. <laughs> and so um, he said, we were going to go. Uh, a couple of them had to use the restroom, and they were going to wait till right in the middle to do that. And they said, no, it's going to be too jammed. Let's go ahead and go now. So they went, and they came back. He said, as soon as they sat down, he said, the bombs went off. Uh, in, uh, there was two different cities that, where those bombs went off. In that particular one, there were, uh, I believe, 10 people that died. There were dozens more that were injured. Um, he said, uh, the bomb went off. He said, we had, we had no idea what happened. He said, we stumbled out of the, um, uh, out of the, the courtyard he said, and we looked, and we were covered with uh, debris, um, with, uh, with uh, blood. He said, uh, there was uh, chaos was everywhere. He said, and we looked around, and all seven of us walked out, and he said, not, none of us had a single scratch on us. There, wa- there, wasn't, there wasn't even a scratch. And he said, um, he said I've, I've, obviously, it was the most unbelievable ex- experience of my life. And um, he said, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to think of it um, really other than this, that, that in, in, in the middle of this brokenness and of this evil act of this sin that God saved us in order that we might continue to save others. His children's orphanage, that uh, the ministry they had started, actually was called Sozo, Sozo uh, Children's International. And... Um, in God's saving, 
He has saved. He has a plan to save. And he is saving. And now how he does his saving almost exclusively is through others. You and I actually, if you've received, if in faith you've received the grace of Jesus, if you've received that into your life, then, then you've been saved. But not just so that you can go, all right, I got that. You put it back, you know, in your, in your suitcase. You're like, all right, I tucked that thing back in. All right, I'm good to go. All right, let's hit life. You, you, are, you are saved in order to continue saving because it's through you and me that God does his work. The last one is this. You, you probably guessed it. It's the end. We got the beginning, the middle, the end. God at work in the saving. There's this, there's this crazy picture in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. Um, John, the revelator, um, he has, uh, he's written this testimony of a vision that he saw that God gave him. And in this vision, he sees the throne room of God. He sees the throne of God. Now he's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a vision of whether he's really there or, it's, it's, or he's on earth and he's envisioning or whatever it is. We don't know. We just know. It's, a, it's the vision of the throne room. And um, it's this in, incredible picture. And he writes about it, Revelation chapter 5, verse 2. He says this, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. So the, 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 the scroll here is God's salvation plan. Who, who can unveil this uh, plan of salvation to the world? And, and John's so excited because he's seen, he's just seen the most amazing things. He's seen uh, heaven's throne, and it's, and it's this crazy picture. You can read it in, in, in chapter 4. There's lightning, and there's smoke, and there's these crazy-looking angels, and there's just it's, uh, it's, it's an unbelievable scene. It's the most amazing, most majestic thing you, you couldn't even imagine. Verse 3, but he says this, but, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth, even, even people that have already died, could open the scroll or even look inside it. Nobody could, nobody could open this plan. And so I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. So John is, John's devastated. Nobody can fulfill this plan because he sees God on the throne. He's looking at this throne and he knows it's, this is unbelievable, the plan he has, but he's, he's devastated because nobody, nobody can actually fulfill it. In verse 5, he says, Then one of the elders, so one of the people that are in charge, said to me, Don't weep. Don't cry. Look, see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Well, who's the lion of the tribe of Judah? Who normally sits on the throne? The most powerful person in all the land. Here's, the, here's a picture of the lion. Verse 6. Then he says this. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. So, so a lamb, pure and spotless, but now it's slain. There's blood everywhere. Where's the lamb? Standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. So this this majestic scene. And then they sang a new song. Here's the new song. 
you are worthy. So they're talking about the lamb. You're worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain. You're worthy because you were slain. You can do it. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. So it's not just for a few anymore. It's for everybody. Anybody who would accept it. Anybody who would accept it. God at work, God doing the work, the saving, started before you and I ever even were thought of. God had a salvation plan in place to rescue, restore, redeem, deliver us. And, and all along the way, he's still doing this work of saving, restoring, redeeming, delivering. This is, it's what he's, that's what he does. It's some of his best work. Sending people out on mission so that they can be a part of what he's doing. Saving, redeeming, restoring, delivering. And how does it end? At the, at the end of time, who's there on the throne? It's still the lamb, as John the Baptist said, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. I want to pray for you this morning. If you would, close your eyes, bow your heads. The, the message of where God works, how God works today is just this. God has this unbelievable, this mega plan of salvation for you and for me. And maybe you're here this morning and um, you, I, I don't know your background, maybe you've, maybe you've never trusted the Lord to be your Savior. Or, or maybe you would say, I've, I've trusted Him, I've said, you know, I've, I've, I've said the words, I, I believe you know, anyone confesses with their mouth and believes in the heart that Jesus rose from the dead. Maybe, maybe I believe. But actually, I've never, I've never made Jesus Lord. I've never surrendered. There, there, here, here's, here's the question. Here's the question. And this will determine whether you could say that I've made Jesus my Lord or not. You just say this. In my life, who's the boss? Who's the boss? Am, am I still the boss is somebody else in my life the boss dictating to me whether how much or to what degree that I give my life to the Lord? Who's, who's the boss in my life? If it's anyone other than Jesus, then you haven't made Jesus Lord and Savior. And so maybe this morning you say, Joel, I, I heard your message. Can't believe that Jesus would um, have a plan. That God would have a plan from the beginning to save me. But I want to entrust my life to him this morning. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to come up here. But just as a confession, as a declaration, as a confession uh, in your heart to God. And recognize it in your, in your own self. If that's you and you just say this morning, whether I've done this before or I've never done this before, today I'm recognizing that I'm making Jesus both Savior and Lord. If that's you, would you just put your hand real high and then you put it back down? I need to do that today. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Anybody else? Maybe you're in here and you just need to remind yourself. You just, you just need a reminder of a declaration, you know, that it's Jesus who's, 
doing the saving in your life. You need to remember, you need to practice your faith in a way today that recognizes our salvation comes through Christ alone. We, we, we've been saved. We're being saved. One day we will be totally saved. But, but you just need a, a reminder, a hope-filled reminder, and that's what today is for you. But you want to recognize that. You don't want to just say in the back of your mind, okay, good, I, I remember. You want to recognize that it, there's something special about saying no, that this is for me. I need to remember the saving power, God at work. I, I was saved, but God is also saving. He's redeeming. He's restoring. He's delivering. And, 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 and if there's moments and things in my life that aren't complete, aren't full, aren't whole yet, they will be because God has a plan. If that's you this morning, you go, I need to know that in my soul. I need encouragement from the Lord in this moment. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real high and you put it back down? I need to know that now. Yes. Anybody else? Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Yes. Father, this morning, God, I'm, I'm so grateful, God, for your uh, salvation plan. God, you have a salvation plan. God, you not only have salvation plan, but you have salvation power. You have absolute, total power. And so, God, I pray in this moment, Lord, that you would fill these people in this church, God, with your spirit, your encouragement, your power. God, it's not any work that we've done. We don't do things and, or make anything happen. You do it. You make it happen. You're the one that's in charge. And so, God, I pray that you would do just that. You would fill this church with your salvation power. You would encourage us. Help us to remember, God, that you've saved, you've redeemed, you are restoring. And we trust you today in Jesus' name. Amen.